Okay. Welcome, everybody, back to the Third Line Podcast. We are on episode nine. Is that right? Nine. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we are missing Liz this week, but uh, she had prior obligations, so we will truck on. And we got Jess and Adam here. And uh, yeah, we're going to probably just spend most of our time talking about the NHL playoffs and some of our predictions. And yeah, we'll dive right in. So... I believe Jess was going to take the Central Division because that's where her ride-or-die team is. So, uh, yeah, what's going on over in the Central? Well, you know, it's uh, it's looking a little heated <laughs> between the Carolina Hurricanes and Nashville Predators. The Canes took something like seven penalties yesterday in in their game, and... They were 100% on the kill, which is kind of nice. Um, but there was a lot of fighting on that on the ice, especially between um, a former Carolina Hurricane uh, and the rest of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, it looked like there was some bad blood between uh, Eric Halla and uh, a couple of the other guys on the wow on the Canes. Yeah. Well, you said that you said that there was like bad blood from Eric Halla when he was playing in Carolina. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to speculate as to what exactly happened. He was he got traded to Carolina from Vegas at in the summer, and then you know he was doing really well on the team for the first part of the season. I think it was the. Was it the 1920 season? Everything is just kind of blurred now. I think it's the 1920 season. So he was doing all right. And then um, beginning of January, he suffered. Um, his wife had a miscarriage. And then things kind of slid downhill from there. And by the trade deadline, he had requested a trade. So, and he was out of there. He got traded to the Panthers and then signed with Nashville after that season. So I think this is his first year with Nashville. So, but yeah, the way that, uh, the way that the Finns were going after each other on the ice kind of makes you wonder if there was something else going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So who is your, uh, WHL player to watch in that series? Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's gonna be my boy geeky. Um, and then Jake Bean as well, both Tri-City Americans, and um, they've done great. There's also um, Nita Ryder from the Portland Winterhawks, who we just absolutely love. He's been phenomenal in the series. And then uh, Jordan Martinick, who has nice. is just constantly a, a rock for that team. Um, James Reimer is also there. He was a Red Deer Rebel, but he has not played it has been Nadelkovic and Reimer in net. So I don't know, or not net, Reimer, Morazic. So I'm not sure where Reimer is right now. Well, and Nadelkovic actually looked really good last game too, didn't he? So yes, he got a yeah. shutout. Yeah. He was, I mean, he's gone through a lot with everything. Um, he was put on waivers uh, at the beginning of this season and the Morozik got hurt. And so, you know, we brought him back from the taxi squad and he's just been a rock star in the net for the, for the team. You know, what's been uh, really surprising about that series actually 
is uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, former Portland Winterhawks. Portland Winterhawks. Uh, Winter sorry, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with him, but he has 14 penalty minutes in the in the series already. Like he's got 14 penalty minutes. He does have an assist, but he's got three shots on goal in two games. He's so I don't know. He's, he hasn't had a great season all year, but this is. A he hasn't had different. he hasn't had a great couple seasons. Like he's just completely yeah. forgotten how to play hockey, and maybe that frustration is just boiling over. I also think that it might have to do with uh, you know Nashville is they're overpowered in the series, and it's like no matter what they do, Carolina is just like they're a little bit better in like every aspect. So it might also be just he's trying to spark the team, and it's just not working. Because we've seen and, that in the past. Mm-hmm. And you're right, especially when it comes to um, Carolina being physical. They're not a hugely physical team. Um, and they haven't, they've never been really known for that. And the last few years, Carolina's been stacked on D as well. Um, Nashville's been sort of a goal goaltending factory as well. They've had some really good guys coming through, and Carolina might not be quite to that same caliber, but they do have some young guys, like you said. Najelkovic is looking really good right now, and uh, up front, it was a lot of sort of role players that kind of were underappreciated or whatever for the last few years. But now Carolina's pulling ahead in that department with the Ahos and the Nieder Riders and the Svechnikovs that are a higher level of caliber than anything that Nashville can really match up with. I mean, Philip Forsberg is a great talent, but I mean, past him, guy. past him in the forward ranks, I mean, you don't really have anyone that can match up with the, you know, the Niederreiters and the Svechnikovs and uh, Teravinans of Carolina. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the frustrating thing is that you do have those players, but they're not stepping up. You do have like Matt Duchesne and Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson, but it and Roman Yossi. But if they don't step up, then they can't compete against. Well, you're also, and that's the thing is is you're also talking like so. Arvidsson is one that I forgot about. He's a he's a really good uh, player, and he's really good in the playoffs. He's just he plays that style of game. Um, Duchesne, you are talking about a guy who's on the back half of his career you know he looked half decent he had flashes this year but he's just not the guy he used to be when he was with Colorado he's he's on the tail end and you got Ryan Johansson who again used to be a 30 goal guy fallen off the map the last couple of years and Carolina's going the other direction they've got guys that are projecting into 30 35 goal scorers and Nashville just kind of seems like they're on the downhill of the their window yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you. It's It seems to be uh, Carolina's kind of put together a young team um, that's kind of just breaking into their prime. So we got a couple of good years to come out of Carolina. They're just getting started, really. Yeah, Nash- Nashville, I think, would be the first one to admit that their window is getting shorter and shorter. I mean, they need to do a little bit of a restocking, I think. Um They've had some good success for a few years now, and it just kind of seems like, with the exception of the, you know, what it was at 25 straight years of the Red Wings making the playoffs, it's it's pretty rare to see a team have sustained success for more than about six, seven seasons 
before they have to kind of restock. So I think that's where Nashville's at now. Their window's starting to slam shut and Carolina's is just opening. Yeah, I agree. I was going to move on to the Florida Panthers uh, and Tampa Bay Lightning games. In the yeah, Central. so we'll do a little recap here. You know, Tampa took the first two games. Yep. Uh, Florida came back and won game three, six, five in OT after I think it was five, three at one point. Yeah. Um, Florida and Tampa are, are two teams out of a lot of WHL um, players. Yes. You know, you talk about Tyler Johnson a lot for Tampa and you talk about Braden Point, but there are some pretty big names uh, who aren't usually big names, but I've been really stepping into the playoffs for Florida. And one of the guys that I have really been impressed with, and I wrote an article about this where I think that he's going, that it would be a great fit for uh, Seattle is Rodko Gudis. Yes. So, right, 20 minutes uh, of ice time, uh, one goal and assist, four shots on goal, and eight hits. This is a guy that had, I think it was 250 something hits all year. He's. He's really stepping up. Uh, this Florida team is, there's just something about them. Like, they're just dangerous. They've got Gustav Forling, Forsling, who people from Vancouver remember. He, he stepped up in um, Ekblad's in, uh, after Ekblad's injuries. He had three minutes, 41 seconds of shorthanded time. Like, it, I don't know why, but Florida is just one of those teams that it, it's like the perfect matchup. Tampa Bay and Florida just match up so well that you couldn't have scripted anything better. I think that if, you know, Florida was playing Nashville or Tampa was playing Carolina or whatever, it wouldn't, it, the series would have been just a train wreck, but there's just something about these two teams that they just hate each other. And it's just, it's created one of the best series out there, which nobody really expected. Right. I'd love to see Florida advance i don't necessarily want to see them go against the canes because if i can't root for the canes i am going to root for the panthers so like i don't know where that team came from and why i have suddenly decided that i like that team they came out of left field on me but they're definitely a team that like i want to see excel because they've been like the underdog for so many years like people scoff when they hear florida panthers um and i don't I, I want them to prove them wrong for that one. And I would love to see Gudis on Seattle. I love Gudis. I'm still mad that he's not a flyer. See, and the thing I like when I look at Florida's roster, it's just it's it's big boy hockey. It's it's playoff style. They've got a good balance of talent with the Huberdos and Barkovs. And um, I'm missing somebody who else is a really talented guy in Florida. Well, they, the problem, the thing about Florida is they have like all of these stars that you would never think of so Ekblad's injured so you have guys like Carter Verhege which come which who comes out of nowhere and just lights up the whole NHL you got guys like Sam Bennett who are setting records that pass Pavel Bure you have guys like Owen Tippett uh who are kind of like the younger guys Anthony Duclair so it's like they're they're not superstars but they're those good players who are going to continue to produce during the playoffs, which is important because if Barkov and Huberto have off nights, like Barkov had one point in the game and he had 15 minutes of ice time. But then you have a guy like Sam Bennett who has a goal in 21 minutes. You have a guy like Alex Wenberg who's got two points. 
you got guys like Hornquist and Tippett who have two points. So it's like next man up. And then you pile that on with a defensive core that is really strong and they, they can roll three pairs very easily and they can match up. It just creates this perfect scenario where you're going to, where even though Florida is not considered the favorite, I like, I'm not, I'm not sure how that, how that series went because everybody had it in like either Florida in seven or Tampa in seven. I think Tampa was the favorite when you kind of went in there, but Florida is the higher seed and they're the higher seed for a reason. It's because they're like as good as Tampa is Florida is a good team. Like they deserve second seed. I think a lot of people kind of, you know, they were Tampa was a lower seed but at the same time, day one at the Stanley Cup playoffs, they get Kucherov and Stamkos back. So it's like, yeah, you're a lower seed, but you just became one of the favorites of the entire playoffs because of that. Um, you know, uh, cap, uh, cap circumvention. <laughs> um, but uh, the thing is, like, one of the things I think that's being underrated, maybe not talked about with Florida, is Joel Quenville. So he's taking a roster that's very balanced. He's got the big boy hockey that you need for playoffs. He's got, I mean, you know, goaltending can be a little suspect. I mean, Bart or uh, what's his name? Bobrovsky's starting to pull it back together. I mean, he looked kind of shaky throughout the year. Um, they got Dreger, who I'm kind of surprised he wasn't starting game one. Yeah, but, that's another uh, guy. Dreger just came out of nowhere, like, this yeah. year. And, you know, and I, and they still have Spencer Knight in their system, who's one of the top prospects to come out of the college system. So it's like. You know, oh man, yeah. where's Liz when you need her? Yeah, exactly, right? So, um <laughs> so you got that and then you got Joel Quenville who when he was coaching the Blackhawks, he had the same thing. He had a few skilled guys, he had the big boy hockey that was designed for playoffs, he had some solid D that he could rely on and a couple big body D like Gudis to do all the dirty work and some respectable goaltending and you get a guy like Quenville with a roster like that and he can, he can, you know, polish a turd if he needs to. And I'm not saying that Florida is a turd, but when you look at the roster on paper, it's not something you think would compete with the likes of the Tampa Bay lightning, but for whatever reason, they have their number. So, uh, Jess, why don't you, uh, cause you took this division. Do you remember your, uh, playoff predictions? Not completely, but you took, uh, you took Carolina. Yeah, in Florida. Panthers. In Florida. So I think you took Carolina in like five or six, and then you took Florida in seven, correct? Probably. The Florida one, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that one any farther or any lower. Yours still has a pretty good chance of coming through. Yeah. Carolina, if they could not do it in five and do it in less, I'd be much happier. I think Nashville's good enough to win one game. I mean, you know, I You're hate to say right. it, but I hate to say it, but it's it's pretty hard to see a team that makes the playoffs get swept. It doesn't happen super often, but uh Yeah. Yeah, it's I think you're definitely on track with your predictions. So the Canucks got to... swept by uh, San Jose when I think Vancouver was like a 2 seed and San Jose was a 7 seed back in like well, 2012 I... or something, so I I think those of us Canucks fans know that with that team anything is possible. Whether it's good or bad. Well, and then there was like, what, two, it was two years ago where uh, Tampa Bay got swept in the first round. Oh, um, by Columbus. Yes, that was Columbus. incredible. Um, and then, but then it was also kind of crazy in the Metro because, who was it? Oh, the uh, the Panthers got swept 
by the Isles. The Isles got swept by the Canes, and then the Canes got swept by Boston. Yeah. That's how that yeah. worked. Like one right after another. Yeah. That's how it worked in that season. I was like, every what the hell? every team, every team that swept another team got so cocky that they got swept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was it that was crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's the next division? You want to take one? Well, we'll take the uh, East Division next. That's we got um your Dunkin' Donuts division. Boston, and we got Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders. So I'll, um, because I took this series, the, this division, uh, my predictions before we go into them was, I think I had Islanders in six and Washington in seven. So, uh, yeah, it's not going great for me right now. Like, both of my team, both of the teams I have predicted are down 2-1. But you know what? It, there's, it's a reason that it's not a three-game series. It's a seven-game series. Um, I guess we'll start with the Islanders series. The Islanders have like the greatest fourth line in Casey Sezikis, uh, um, Matt Martin, and Kyle Clutterbuck. Like it is incredible to watch them play. Uh, like today, they took they put the team on their back. You got Clutterbuck with two goals. You have Matt Martin with five hits, and then you have uh, Casey Sezikis with a goal or sorry, one assist. The player who really stepped up today was Matt Barzell, two assists in the game, 17-25. He's had, like, kind of a iffy season. You know, former Seattle um, Thunderbird won the, won the Calder Trophy. You also got WH, or I guess Team Canada legend Jordan Eberle on the team. Like, he's been kind of quiet. So I wonder if it's more like a feeling out process. But this series has been really weird because... I know, like, for me and a lot of people, we were like, okay, well, the series is going to be, like, 2-1 games or, like, 3-1 games. To The game today, it was 5-4. Like, yeah. like, they're just, they're on a, they're just scoring goals left, right, and center. And it's Who's weird. Net because, for the Isles? So, the Islanders, they started with Sorokin. And I think that was because Varlamov was injured. Like, it wasn't really yeah. confirmed. Yeah if he was injured or not, or what was going on. And then they switched to uh, Varlamov today. But hmm. the Islanders, if you love WHL. They don't, they don't have a choice because, uh, you know, not to slander him too badly, but so Sorokin comes in because Varlamov was injured. When that happened, their backup was Corey Schneider. And for those Canuck fans that remember Corey Schneider, he is one of those guys like Ryan Johansson who have apparently forgotten how to play hockey. Because he was an elite goalie prospect who suddenly had an 800 save percentage in the AHL. So I don't know if he's turned. He must have turned it around for them to be on for him to be on the taxi squad for the Islanders, I guess. But uh, I yeah, think he's... it's more like I think it's more like a Craig Anderson situation where they wanted to get a guy who just knew the NHL and who could play you know, five games in the regular season if they needed him to. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they went in saying, like, Corey Schneider is going to save us in a playoff series. I think no. it was more like, we don't want to go in with, like, a rookie goaltender who knows nothing about the NHL into the playoffs. Like, we want to have somebody yeah. there. Um, and then on the other end with Pittsburgh, you got Tristan Jari, who, you know, WHL legend. He won a Memorial Cup, I believe. Yes. Uh, Edmonton Oil Kings, like Tristan Jari is the biggest question mark in this entire series. He has not played well 
um, for the last I, couple of years. Yeah, like I don't know what happened, but they they traded Murray, you know, in the off season to Ottawa because they believed mm-hmm. in Jari. He was like one of the top goaltending prospects, and he's just kind of fell flat these last couple of years. And now Pittsburgh is kind of screwed because they don't have anybody else in the pipeline. They got rid of right. Murray. They got rid of Flurry. Right. And this is kind of Kate, like what they're stuck with. They have Casey DeSmith, which I mean, like Casey DeSmith is like, okay, he's a backup goalie in the NHL, but you're not going to, he's not, he's not a goaltender. Who's going to lead you in a playoff series. Like I know we're watching Jack Campbell in Toronto, like, do what he's doing, but Casey DeSmith is not Jack Campbell. Like Jack Campbell was, was also Jack Campbell was also highly rated. Like he went, I believe he was a first or second round draft pick. Like uh, he played for the Stars, and I just don't think that he was able to scratch his way in. And then he went to LA, and LA had such a train wreck of a team at that point oh that he God. just he looked bad. He didn't look as bad as Jonathan Quick, who apparently has forgotten how to play hockey. Don't get me started. <laughs> But yeah, this series does have a lot of WHL alumni on their team. Like no. on top of that, you also have one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion, in Ryan Pulock uh, yep. for the Islanders. You know, he had eight hits today. He's I was going to ask who that was. Now I understand why I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Pulock. He played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. You know, eight hits, twenty-two minutes of ice time. He's like that shutdown defenseman. He also has one of the hardest shots in the league at this point. I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't been in a hardest shot competition. I mean, I guess they didn't have one this last year, but I, I've seen his rocket from the point, and he's got to be up there. You know, you have guys like Thomas Hickey, Kiefer Be- uh, Bellows, Braden Coborn, Johnny Boychuk, and Andrew Ladd, who are also on the Islanders, who are all former WHL alumni. So, you know, Is if Bellows gonna... actually playing? Sorry, I I actively avoid anything islanders related because i hate that team almost as much as i hate boston so um but i hadn't heard that bellows was actually playing so he's on the roster is he on the taxi well there's no taxi squad in the playoffs playoffs, yeah but um he yeah so like he's basically just on the roster but i think that i don't think they trust him fully yet (laughs) like he hasn't had a great start to his career so i think they're kind of shying away from him and they're like we don't want to throw you in against the pittsburgh penguins in a playoff series which is understandable like I, they went with a more veteran heavy team i can understand that especially with bellows i mean i i like the guy um i watched him play he played in four, 14 hawks. games this year yeah he did um and i watched him with the winter hawks but i know that in the off season i think it was he had um an issue where he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. So um, I don't know whatever happened, whatever came of it, but I did hear that there was an issue with that with him. So okay, so we'll uh, on that note, I guess we'll jump over to uh, the overtime series, which is the Boston Bruins versus Washington Capitals, aka the series that makes Jess just uh, cringe. Nope, I refuse. I've basically boycotted the entire East Division. <laughs> yeah, so like, I'm just going to mute my mic for the next five minutes. <laughs> so in this series, you know, you got your WHO content and Zdeno Chara and Brandon Dillon for uh, the Capitals, which first off, I didn't even remember Zdeno Chara played for Prince George. 
Like he, he played in the like nineties. Oh, he wow. played like the year he played like around the year I was born. I was gonna say, were you even <laughs> born yet? So yeah. <laughs> uh which I didn't even realize. Uh because you know, back then you didn't have too many internationals coming over and playing in the WHL. And then on Boston, you got guys like Curtis Lazar, Brandon Carlo, and Jake DeBrusque, all who have been having um, big series. Brandon Carlo's a guy that I don't, I really like, former Tri City American. I would love to see like Vancouver, Seattle go and try to pick him up. I know it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, this is like, this is one of, this is a very interesting series because you, every game has gone to overtime and it's just been, like non-stop action back and forth but there's not a lot of shots which is really weird like a double overtime game where boston has 43 and and capitals have 37 that's not normal for a, a double ot that's not game. normal for a regular a regulation game yeah and it's not like they're taking cons of penalties like the penalties are 10 10 minutes uh in their in game three so this is like a series that has been a lot of like neutral zone possession time or a lot of missed the net shots i know like brandon carlo he has five shots on goal and zero have actually hit the net so this seems like a series where they're just the teams are very matched evenly matched and they just can't do anything offensively we all knew this was going to be a really close series too um it like i said before i mean you look at guys like jake debrusque and Craig Smith and stuff like that. And I said it when the play the playoffs first started, like it's always going to be the set late second, third liners, sometimes even the fourth liners that are going to win you these series. Like Craig Smith had the uh, overtime goal the other night. And you see in some of the other series, like I know Brandon Tanev scored, uh, I think an overtime winner, I think in the Pittsburgh Islanders series. And like you said, Matt Martin and Casey Sezikis. So like, and when you look at Boston's lineup, besides that first line, you know, you get past Pasternak, uh, Bergeron, and Marchand. It's almost a whole team of third liners. So they're set up for success. Well, that second line is pretty good. You got David Krejci and Taylor Hall. Sorry, that's true. Hall, yeah, Hall is not a, a third liner. And Hall is figured out his game in Boston. He's super reinvigorated for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an interesting series. It's been a fun series to watch. Uh, Washington seems to be collapsing a little bit. Ovechkin kind of went off on his keeper the other night. In Ovechkin's defense, the keeper was kind of caught wandering and just left the puck behind the net while there was a Boston player coming, and that's a big no-no. That's about the equivalent of a defenseman just throwing a pizza right up the middle in the slot and then, you know, turning it over, and next thing you know, you got a breakaway. As a goalie myself, you cannot just leave a puck behind the net when a guy's coming. Like, throw it up the boards, do something. Um... It was kind of embarrassing, and I've heard there's been nothing but problems with Samsonov and Kuznetsov. They mm-hmm. seem they seem to be the party boys that can't seem to you know get their act together. And I think Ovechkin is trying to right the ship and basically say, "Okay, boys, enough is enough." Um, well, if you remember earlier in the season, I think it was Kuznetsov, Samsonov, and Alex Ovechkin were yep. all suspended because they were breaking the COVID rules. Yeah. And I have a funny feeling that I don't know, you know, 
And Kuznetsov just uh, Kuznetsov just tested positive for, positive the, second for the second time. time. Yeah. And I could 100% be incorrect, and I will absolutely backtrack if something comes out. But it kind of looks to me with just some of the stuff that I've seen on the ice and body language and things like that, um, that Ovechkin, regular season Ovechkin and playoffs of Ovechkin might be two different beasts. And, you know, Stanley Cup hangovers last in a couple years, apparently. And he wants to have fun with his Russian boys when, you know the time is right, quote-unquote. So, like, maybe regular season is one thing. When playoffs come, it's Ovechkin turns into, you know, a workhorse, and he wants to get the job done, and these other two guys are still in kind of playoff or party mode, and it, he kind of looks like a dad out there just screaming at his kids, like, pay attention, we got a job to do. Well, I'll give you Ovechkin's stat line from Game 2, because it's pretty incredible. So he had a goal... Uh, he had four shots on net, four hits. He played 27.54 of ice. He played eight minutes and 10 seconds of power play out of the 10 minutes the Capitals were on the power play. Like, this is a guy who is like, if my team is not going to step up, I'm going to put him on my back and just do everything I can. And that's why he won the fight a couple years ago. And at his age, I mean, everyone saw when he was younger, they said... He's not going to be able to play this reckless like this for his entire career because he will have to retire by the time he's 30 because he was a wrecking ball. He would chase after guys, throw big hits. And, you know, when you're young and you heal quick, that's one thing. They said once he gets up there in age, he's not going to be able to do that anymore. I think you've seen him kind of adjust in the regular season. He knows that he's not the spring chicken he used to be. But the first couple games, you saw Ovechkin of old. He was going after people. He was laying out the body. I think within, I think on his first shift, it was within 30 seconds of the first game, he laid out a devastating like hit of the entire series. I don't remember who it was on, but he's running around doing what old school Vetchkin does. And I think he knows that, you know, it's a grind and he's going to feel it. And he's, he just doesn't care because this is playoff Ovechkin. It's it's a different beast, I think. Um, well, I mean, I agree with you in that, you know, he's a different player playoffs to regular season. I do think that if he's going to yell at his goalie, there's a time and a place to do it. And on the ice after the end of the game is not the time to do it. 100%. Um, take it into the locker room. 100%. And, and, you know, do it there, not in front of the, the crowd not in front of the cameras, you know, that's not, that's not how you lead a team. Yep. Uh, I will hundred percent agree with you. And you know what, all you're doing is you're setting yourself up for, you know, those lazy ass journalists and the lazy ass journalists Mm -hmm. that are going to, they're going to ask 15 questions about that after the game and you're not going to want to answer them. So just have that moment of clarity and be like, I'm going to yell at you in the locker room. So I don't have to deal with 15 questions about why I yelled at you. Well, he wasn't even in the zoom that night yeah because he, he probably him. knew he knew what was going to happen there was going to be 15 questions about you know why did you yell at samson off and it's yeah. like i've answered i've answered this 15 times i'm not going to answer it anymore yeah um, and i do think that you're right that it does seem to be um there does seem to be a bit of chaos going on behind the scenes with the capitals they've kind of, and it's it's been like that the whole season you know i mean with samson off and kuznetsov you know they're just kind of going off on their own and doing whatever the hell they want. I mean, Samsonov is a damn good goalie. And if he's 
working and doing his thing, then the Capitals have a real fucking shot at making it farther in yep. these in in these playoffs. You know, it, Sammy's been he was out for six weeks because of COVID, and it took him a long time to bounce back. And now, you know, he's still messing around and breaking you know the COVID protocols, ending up on the on the list again. And then, you know, it's just, I can, I understand why Ovi would yell at him. Like, I probably would have too at this point in time, you know. But like I said, there's a time and a place. So what we'll do is um, we've done the two divisions on the East, so the East and the Central. And what we'll do is we'll jump into some of our uh, advertisements and our ad reads because we love to thank the sponsors. So we do have a couple sponsors. The first one is bench clearers. Now, if you don't know what bench clearers are, they're these tanks, t-shirts, and um, shorts that are look pretty incredible. 100% polyester. Uh, they hold in moisture and they dry pretty quick. They look pr- they're they're awesome. All of their merchandise is uh, NHL uh, approved, so they can all the logos are official. And we do have a code for you. If you use the code Area Fifty One Sent Me, you do get ten percent off your orders. It's hot out. It's the summer, so these are going to look pretty well. If you need a tan like Chris does, these are the things to do because uh, the sleeveless, the shorts, they all just look really great. All right, I'll give you that. You know, I just spent four days in the sun and I'm still pasty, so I, I just I don't think there's any way out of it. One other option that's going to be great for the summer is some high stick vodka. Some smooth, refreshing vodka. They're one of the uh, best vodkas for Canadian made in Canada. Uh, they're a local product made in the Okanagan. Four-time distilled, carbon filtered. Uh, and they got this really cool hockey stick that you can get that uh, has the word high stick vodka. Like Their product is great. They've won the double gold award and best vodka at the WSWA uh, tasting competition. Now, I know it's a little bit hard to find in the States. Uh, but if you live in BC, definitely go to your local liquor store, try it out. If you if you don't see it at the local liquor store, let them know, and then they can definitely order some high stick vodka. I'm not gonna lie, I want that glass hockey stick. So for those that haven't seen it, it's literally a hand blown hollow glass hockey stick full of vodka. It is badass. They probably charge a fair amount for it, but I think it would be worth it. It'd be one of those random pieces of sports memorabilia in your man cave. Yeah, I, I think it'd be sweet. Or woman cave. Or or woman cave. <laughs> so we also have a secondary uh, clothing sponsor in Hapson uh, Clothing. Now, if you look on our website... Uh, Area 51 Sports Network. You get 25% off if you use the code Area 51. Now, this is a Canadian company once again. They make stuff like hats, t-shirts, hoodies. And one really cool thing that I've noticed when looking at their stuff is that they have hockey skate laces on the shirts. So near when instead of having just like the strings... Uh, at the top of your shirt, you get some hockey laces. So that is pretty cool, I gotta say. It's a little random looking on the t-shirts, but it works. They do it pretty well. Um, I've got uh, a hoodie from another manufacturer that's not a sponsor, so I'm not going to plug them. But uh, the the strings on the hoodie are hockey skate laces too. It's it's super slick. 
Uh, these guys do this as well. They also have hats that have the hockey skate laces coming out the side. And then around back where you actually uh, adjust the sizing, it's hockey skate laces with a little clasp. So you can adjust the size to whatever and uh, rock that hockey look. So it's pretty cool. I looked at them today. Yeah, and then our last sponsor. Now, this one's cool. Uh, we have a betting sponsor in Bet99 Sportsbook. We have a sign-up offer here where they'll match 100% on initial deposit up to $600. So that means that if you put in $600, they'll give you an additional $600. Uh, what we can also do is, if you use the link on the website, you can get boosted odds, which means that uh, you can get more money if your odd wins if you use uh, through the site. Now, to kind of kick off our betting, what we're going to do is every podcast, we're going to pick a couple games that we think... You guys can uh, win some money off of. Okay, so for our betting for this week, we have Jess at plus 185. She's taking St. Louis over Colorado to win on the money line. Now, that game is on Friday night, so you're going to want to make the bet. Chris is taking Florida at plus 121 on Saturday morning on the money line. And I am going to take Winnipeg at plus 136 to beat Edmonton on Friday night. So... If you're listening to this podcast on Friday, May 21st, and you want to try to win some money, if you make a parlay bet of St. Louis, Florida on the 22nd, and Winnipeg on the 21st, a $10 bet gets you 148.64 back. So let us know if you uh, if you took our advice. If you lose, we're sorry. I, I think the boosted odds are only for certain uh, events. So those yeah. games might not have the boosted odds. I'm not 100%. Um, yeah. I know for certain prop bets, uh, they were going to get boosted odds. So basically, you'll just have to uh, check out the site, uh, go through the link on the Area 51 Sports Network site to see our boosted odds. But uh, 10 bucks gets you 140 I might actually have to get in on that because, I mean... 10 bucks is what, you know, one trip to Starbucks, but uh, 140 bucks is pretty decent. You know, we're not saying go out and like spend your mortgage money on it, but it's a little bit of fun things if you put down like $10 once in a while. Um, we're not betting gamble experts. Gamble responsibly. Yes, gamble, gamble responsibly. responsibly. Yes, and drink responsibly and drink responsibly when you drink your high stick vodka. Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. When, when you realize that all three of our bets are wrong here, you know, pull out the high stick vodka to uh, forget about what we uh, told you to bet on. Yeah, yeah maybe I... don't pay attention to my bet because I bet out of spite. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? You know, St. Louis might be fired up because of Falk and pissed off. And, you know, it, I don't think Colorado is going to sweep St. Louis. So why not win the next one? So why don't we jump into that, um, the West then, because we're talking about it. So we got, I guess, Colorado St. Louis because we were just talking about, you know, spite bets. Uh, as people know, Jess is not the biggest fan of the Avalanche. At the same time, she's not I the biggest. Fan. She at the same time, Jess is not the biggest fan of Jordan Binnington. So this is a real uh, complicated mm. series for her. Yeah. I'm still rooting uh, St. Louis over the Avalanche. So now, I, I'll I'll steal this one if you want, Adam. Only because I have been a uh, Colorado is my second team. So I've been a ride or die Avs fan since 1996. And Liz and Jess both give me very spiteful looks because of it. We try to be respectful. It's hard. That's fair. Well, you know what? 
I'm also probably, we'll get into this in another episode, but I'm also probably going to become a ride or die Kraken fan now until my team figures their shit out. So <laughs> I'm sure we can agree on that one at least. No, before we start, like, um, Liz made some predictions and then it turned out that because the playoffs weren't decided yet, that all of her predictions for matchups <laughs> happened. So, but we're just yeah. going to go with Colorado and, uh, um, Vegas to win the series overall. Yeah, I, I would think that that would have been her choices, knowing the matchups that uh, ended up happening. Um, so yeah, in the let's let's start with the Colorado St. Louis series. Um, Liz had Colorado in. Well, she didn't gauge this series, but I would assume she probably would have picked Colorado at six. Sure, let's go with that. Um, <laughs> None of us really got a chance to predict this division because yeah. it hadn't hadn't been decided yet. Knowing my second team and knowing St. Louis before this started, I probably would have picked Colorado in five. And I say that only knowing that Colorado was an extremely lethal team this year. And uh, St. Louis is kind of built for playoff hockey. Colorado might not be. Uh, as much but i have confidence in colorado's game i i don't think they're going to sweep them I, I still think st louis will win this next game so get those bets in on bet 99 um but it's been kind of sad to watch i mean and i mean sad for st louis fans they've been outplayed um mckinnon got a hat trick the other game they won i think six three it's they're just getting out class. Colorado is their window is just opening. Like it's it's just cracking open right now. St. Louis, um, I know they're fairly recent winners, but at the same time, they kind of brought in some pieces to go on a run. Whereas Colorado has gone through the draft and they've built this team to stay competitive for years. So. Um, St. Louis, I think, is going to have a trickier time keeping that window open for longer. And as a self-proclaimed Bennington hater myself, I think he's a little bitch. I am totally <laughs> hoping that Colorado wins in four. But uh, yeah, it's the offense that Colorado and the depth that they have. It's just going to be a matter of time. I, I really think Colorado's coming out of this one in five, maybe six, if St. Louis pulls a horseshoe out of their ass. Bennington's getting all sidetracked. He's doing what he does. He gets all flustered and he wants to fight people. And, you know, it, Grubauer said it best today. He's like, if Bennington wants to come down, I say bring it. But right now I'm focused on doing my job, which is stopping pucks. Well, you know what it is? It's like, do you ever see those videos of when dogs are like barking like crazy and they're behind a fence and then you open up the fence and they just like stop and they like start backing up? Like, that's what I picture Bennington. It's like, you know, the linesman gets in the way, but the second the linesman, like, moves out of the way, he's just going to, like, escape back. We've to already seen it. We've already seen it. He did it with, uh, was it Kudobin. San Jose? Was it Kudobin? He Dallas. also did it. Oh, yeah. He also did it once with San Jose. I think it was uh, Dubnik. Was it Dubnik? Was it this I season? It, yeah, I think it was this season. He did it with Dubnik, and Dubnik is a big boy. Dubnik's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or something, and he skated past him, said something, kind of did one of, you know, did one of these where he kind of leans in. It's like, you want to go, bro? 
And Dubnik just kind of stared at him and shook his head and started skating towards him like, all right. And Bennington just turned and went off because it was at the end of a period and he went to the dressing room. It's like, okay, you're if if you're gonna if you're gonna talk the talk, walk the walk. Yeah. And it's a goalie fight. If you really think you're that tough, go ahead, do it. Nobody really gets hurt in goalie fights. Not anymore. You're in so yeah. much gear. It's like sumo wrestling. It's not like the days of Patrick Waugh and Chris Osgood where there's guys leaking all over the ice. Like those were some. Or, uh, or Ray Emery. Ray em- Well, Ray Emery was a trained boxer. I feel bad for anyone that got into a fight with Ray Emery. Rest in peace. Um, Didn't he fight like an enforcer in the league as well? Like in against. Oh, yeah. Like for Ottawa. And he was yep. playing against Buffalo. And he took yep. down the Buffalo goalie. And then like some. I want to say. I, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but yes, he was a tough guy. Coletta? Yeah. Anyways, sure. anyways, he was in Ottawa and he fought the goalie for the other team, which... Marty Biron. Was it Marty Biron? And then after he was done with that fight, Patrick Coletta, I think his name was, I think he was a big tough guy goon and he kind of was talking to him and Ramry's like, let's go. And he fought him literally two minutes after fighting Marty Biron. But anyways, the good old days of hockey. Um... Bennington, I, I really just want to see him exiled to Russia as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, I, I will refrain from going off any further because we're going to have to put a definite expletive at the beginning of this um, podcast. <laughs> uh, Colorado in five because we want that win for the uh, parlay this weekend. So, uh, yeah. Uh, moving on to Vegas and Mini. I don't think anyone really predicted Minnesota to be quite as tough for Vegas as they have been. Liz was a little worried about Vegas playing Mini. So I know Liz definitely had that on her radar. Mini is shocking to me. Uh, they're definitely, they've got some playoff guys. Marcus is, Marcus Foligno, uh, Eric Sinek is a big guy. He's kind of built for playoff hockey. They've got some good defensemen. Um... I so haven't really Ryan Suter, Matthew Dumba, who played in yep. the WHL and Jared Spurgeon, who yep. was their captain, which I thought that I thought that Ryan Suter was their captain, but apparently Jared Spurgeon, uh former uh Spokane Chief is their captain. Yeah, he was uh he made captain uh this past uh yep. and they're coached by mm-hmm. a former uh, Giants uh coach Dean Evison, who I yep. think should be uh nominated for the Calder. Or not the Calder, sorry, the uh, Jack Adams. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, one, one of his players is going to get the Calder and uh, Kaprizov. He's, he's yeah, going to be a Kaprizov. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the 50-year-old uh, Russian. Has uh, Kakinen been playing in net, or is it Talbot the whole time? So I'm pretty sure it's been Talbot. Yeah, so Cam Talbot's been the starter, which I don't know if anybody predicted. I didn't see that. I... I've been very high on Kakinen. I had him in my hockey pool this year. Um, I really think he's their goalie of the future, and I thought he would have been given the reins, but maybe they just wanted the playoff experience. And Talbot has been in a bit of a resurgence. Maybe it's just the system mini plays. Um, but yeah, I'm happy for him. I mean, he he looked like he was a pretty solid goalie. Uh, everything I've seen of him in media and stuff, he seems like a personable guy, and uh, he had that pretty solid tilt. Uh, was it? Was it with Mike? No, it wasn't with Mike Smith. It was against Calgary. He had a bit of a tilt a couple of years ago, anyways. Yeah, Edmonton Cal. Was it with Smith? He was on. He was on Calgary at the time. 
weird season too because he went like he got traded to the Flyers for like a hot minute and played three games, yeah. and then went to Calgary. Yeah. In the off season. It was such a weird season. Oh, I was just going to say, Mini's got a really good mix. Like, their roster is kind of like how I see, um, who did I just say? Oh, Florida. Good mix of, like, high-end skill, gritty playoff hockey, pretty good defensive depth. They play a pretty solid system, and Everson, I think, is... Uh, right up there with coaching talent with like a Joel Quenville. Evanson, I think is a little underrated with what he brings. Um, I got the privilege of uh, talking to him before the season and he was, and I, you know, doing an interview with him before the season, he, he was great. You know, uh, he, you know who he coached, he coached the Washington capitals at one point. Yep. And Dean so, Evanson, also a former player, WHL legend, actually. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah, I'm pretty sure he won a Memorial Cup as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had some like scoring record. Like he, I remember when we did our we did an article for uh, all time greats for the WHL, and Dean Evison caught my eye as someone who scored a lot more than I thought he would. Along with unfortunately Jim Benning, who apparently was a rock star defenseman back in the day. So he doesn't have a Memorial Cup. I messed that up, but. He does have an award named after him. He he went to the Memorial Cup with the Kamloops Junior Blazers in 1983. And I know he has an award after him because he had a season where he put up 164 points. And then his next year, he had 137 points. Not too uh, bad. With the Kamloops uh, Junior Blazers. So yeah, pretty good. But yeah. if, you want, if you want to go with the WHL alumni, uh, I think Vegas is the option here. Like they oh, have... Yeah. They have a lot of WHL alumni on there. Some guys who aren't even playing, like they have Cody Glass and Payne Krebs. So, like, I know Liz, if you ever want to know about Cody Glass, just ask Liz and uh, check her Twitter account. But they got, you know, Captain Mark Stone, Brandon Weekings, Ryan, Re- Ryan Reeves, Brandon. You got uh, Nick Holden, who uh, it, this is going to be a weird uh, trivia question, but Nick Holden actually played for the Chilliwack Bruins when that was a team. So Which that's- is... Which is the team that turned into the Victoria Royals. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's not many Chilliwack Bruins out there because they didn't play very long in the play in the WHL. But I remember going to Vancouver Giant Chilliwack games and those were uh, pretty intense, that's for sure. Yes, yeah, I would say my my favorite WHL alum uh, playing for Vegas is Shea Theodore. Yeah, I was just going to get to him. You got Shea Theodore, Seattle Thunderbirds. I remember watching him in, in the WHL like that was a mistake that Anaheim, I'm sure, is oh. just like kicking themselves over every single day. I don't even know who they wanted to pr- I th- protect over Shea Theodore, but like, man, like Anaheim, that's one of those like so, type moves. So I could be 100% in- incorrect. And if anyone listens to this and they know the real deal, please hit me up on Twitter and correct me because I want to know because I seem to remember reading that Vancouver said no to taking back Shea Theodore in the Kessler deal. So instead they wanted Lucas Spiza. So there's comedy in in of itself. Um, they could have had Shea Theodore on this team with the likes of Quinn Hughes and Elias Lucas Patterson. Lucas Pisa isn't even on the Canucks anymore. He's a Nashville Predator now. 
Oh, he's he's a borderline AHL player. Let's be. Yeah, clear. no, he is, and I say that gently because he's also a Portland Winterhawk. But yeah, no, I mean that's. <sighs> so, if, so as the Vancouver Canucks saying, no, we don't want Shea Theodore. We'll take Lucas Spiza. So that's just the most Canucks thing. If you were to ever use Canucks as a verb, that's the most Canucks thing ever. Wasn't that a Jim Benning move as well? I think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like his first move. Yeah, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure you're right. So let's just go over what Anaheim protected, because this is kind of funny now looking back at it. So they had Ryan Getzlaff, Kessler, Perry, and Kevin Bieksa. They had to protect them because of no movement clauses. So the players they chose to protect over uh, Shea Theodore was Cam Fowler and Hamfis Lindholm on defense. And then Anton Vermette. Jakob oh. Silver, piano up front. What was that you last one? You cut, cut you cut out. And, oh, Andrew Cogliano. At, oh, uh, oh. You know are what? Those, I think the one. Are any the of one, them actually still a duck? Because I know Cogs is he's a star, right? So yeah. Ricard Raquel is still with the Ducks. Raquel and, is a solid player, and Cam Fowler is still with the Ducks, and so is and so is Getzlaff. and so is Lindholm. Yeah, but I know like Cam Fowler with the Ducks. Cam Fowler's more with the Ducks because his contract is just ridiculously bad and nobody will take it. Well, and Vermette, I think, went to the Coyotes and then I don't even know if he's playing hockey anymore. No, he's yeah, retired. Yeah, isn't Kessler also on the Yotes? No, Kessler's retired. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had to retire. He had to retire due to injury. Speaking of cap circumvention like we were earlier, um, the year Chicago won the Cup, uh, Patrick Kane was out for the entire season and because he was out for the entire season, they uh, Chicago was able to acquire Antoine Vermette at the deadline because they had cap space and he was a big reason why they won the cup. Because in the playoffs, third and fourth liners win you the cup. Yep. Um, so we've kind of we hit, a, hit a tangent here, but uh, basically, yeah, Vegas, yeah. Vegas, yeah, we tend to do that all the time. Um, Vegas and Mini uh, there's the game. Is it over now? Vegas was playing when yeah, we started. Vegas came back from two nothing to win like five two. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I chose uh, one of my keys. I don't think it was on the podcast or anything, but just talking to some friends. I'm always a big fan of Mark Stone. Come playoff time, and by the looks of it, he got two goals tonight, and oh, that's it. Two goals. So why don't we move on to um, the the, uh, North Division, which I'm just going to say, you know, before we start, the North Division was really weird to watch because, you know, you got like in in every other series, you got a big goal and like the crowd's going wild. And then in the Canadian Division, it's like any scores and just nothing. Crickets. Yeah. It is very yeah, we, still, to watch. we still don't have anyone in the arenas here, and it is getting tricky to watch. That's changing, though. Montreal, didn't, they, didn't Montreal just announce that they're going to be having... 2,500. 2, yeah. 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 But they're not going to so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, I, I said... You know what? No, they said Montreal was going to steal, or I said Carey Price was going to steal a game, and Carey Price stole a game today. Oh, they're going to sweep the Leafs in four, right? I don't know about that, but 
Montreal, they get to game five and they beat the Leafs in five games and then they have to wait till the next round to have fans in there, the Bell Center would be like, it would explode. Yeah. I want to quickly duck over to the other series just because I know there's probably more to talk about with the Montreal Toronto series. And I want to do a quick humble brag because everywhere I looked, all the odds had the Oilers beating the Jets in four or in five. And it was like there was long shot odds that the Oilers were even going to take it to six games like it was four or five everywhere I looked. And I'm just throwing it up there. Winnipeg won the first one. I picked Winnipeg to win. You could still do it in five, though. Yeah, I don't know. They shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl last game. That's all you got to do. I also have Winnipeg uh, winning the series in my um, hockey, I guess, in my... uh, You know how we have the Area 51 Sports Network Stanley Cup playoff? The playoff bracket, yep. Yeah, I have Winnipeg. I think I have Winnipeg actually like getting to the Final Four. Because and it's funny because some of the guys at Cap Space wins cup and I were having a a, like a Twitter conversation about like this Oilers Winnipeg series and I was like, no, Winnipeg is gonna win. Like I don't think you guys understand this. Like the regular season, I know that Edmonton like had their way with Winnipeg in the regular season, but this is a different animal. Like this is the whistles go away. And yep. it's physical and McDavid. This is Winnipeg. This is Winnipeg hockey. Adam Lowry is built for this time of year. And I'm sorry, and, I know Connor, Andrew Cop. And I know Connor Hellebuck had a bad season. Whatever. He's still one of the best goalies in the league, and he showed it last night. And one of the things with Connor is, I've always seen it when the pressure's on. Some goalies, you know, crumble a little bit. Connor gets better, and. So when you are, you know, faced up against Dreisaitl and McDavid in the playoffs, and there's a lot on the line, Connor Hellebuck has that ability to steal some games. And, you know, in the playoffs, all you got to do is steal a few. And then next thing you know, that momentum gets in your favor. And same thing can happen. You know, we can we can jump over now because uh, same thing can happen with that Montreal-Toronto series. So I'll, Car- I'll, I'll, I'll throw one thing out about the Oilers and Jets. And that is that this series is going to come down to basically three players i think it's going to come down to josh morrissey former Kelowna rocket like he had like seven turnovers in the first game he's a good player but he's just had a bad year and he's really the leader of that defense i know neil pionk has stepped up but he's he needs to be good also with the oilers if red deer rebel nugent hopkins or spokane chief kyler yamamoto can step up then the oilers will be okay but if they get shut down they can't they can't play one line hockey. Like you look at Drysaitel and Barry. Like Drysaitel, he's gonna put up his points. Former Kelowna Rocket, but Tyson Barry, also with former Kelowna Rocket, like he is um, circumstance of his situation, which is that Tyson Barry is not gonna lead the league in defensive scoring if he's on any other team except for Toronto, or sorry, except for Edmonton. Like, yeah. it, 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 I'm sorry, but like if you're if you're passing the, if I'm standing there and I just pass the puck to McDavid, then I'm probably going to get some points in the NHL. Like, even if I don't know how to skate, like there are some N10 rushes where like basically the fenceman is like, gives it to McDavid and he just goes through the entire team and scores. And it's like, okay, you get an assist, but what did you actually do on the play? I, I am a goalie, but I do play out in my beer league so I can skate, blah, blah, blah. 
I could park my ass in front of that net, get cross-checked 7 million times, and McDavid could put one in off my ass. Like, that is just, he's that good. Like, I could get points. Well, everybody, like, thought, it, that, everybody thought that he rejuvenated Zach Cassian's career because no. Cassian would literally just sit in front of the net and it'd be like, oh, look, it went off his foot. Why does he all of a sudden have, like, 15 goals this year? It's like, yeah. well, he's not scoring. It's just that it's basically like, let's see where we can hit him and make the puck bounce in. So my hot take for that series, Edmonton has absolutely zero chance unless they split up McDavid and Dreisaitl. I was just thinking that, actually. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just good coaching. You have to put, you know, if you put Dreisaitl with Yamamoto and Pliarvi and put McDavid with Nuge and I don't even know who else they have, but you need depth. It's easy to shut down one line. It's harder to shut down two. Like, it's just simple. You know? Yeah, and, they, and then um, Montreal or Winnipeg's doing a good job of staying out of the box right now. That's going to be the key. Can, can they stay out yeah. of the box and uh, not let that power play go? Because, like, I, I don't know if it was... It was probably just the fact that the Canucks were absolutely garbage on the penalty kill, but, like, McDavid lit them up. Like, last game, there was one penalty the whole game. Yeah, which, but it's also... You hockey. know, you're look at the decor. Like... This is, you know, you know, quote unquote, my team. I say it with great apathy right now because I, I just can't help myself. Um, but I mean, you got McDavid coming down on, you know, God love him. I love the kid. But Quinn Hughes, his defensive game needs work. He's a great offensive mind. He's super gifted there. His defensive game needs work. Tyler Myers. He's not even a fucking defenseman anymore. I said this multiple times. Move Tyler Myers to a wing. Make him a forward. He's got big reach. Let him win puck battles along the wall. Let him park his ass in front of the net and have people, have Bezer shoot pucks off his ass and into the net. That's lit. like, Myers needs to be the bufflin of the Canucks. Move him from D to forward. Let him do his thing because he cannot defend to save his life. Um, so you got McDavid coming in on him. You got McDavid coming in on who else? You, you will. Edler. I love Eagle, but Eagle of now and Eagle of yesteryear to throw out an old, old timey term, two very different people. Um, Edler's lost a step. He's lost seven steps. Let's be fair. Um, you cannot keep up with a McDavid, you know, you levy. No, not going to happen. Yule Levy gets walked by, you know, third and fourth liners. Put him out against McDavid, not going to happen. Um, you know, Harmonic, pretty good defensively, but he's not quick enough to keep up. So, like, when you look at this team, it's just an absolute buffet line for McDavid. He... Sorry, Chris. Uh, can you repeat that name for a second? Harmonic? Hamonic? Whatever. Oh. Hamonic. <laughs> Sorry, I saw it, I saw it written down, and I just it's. I'm so glad you decided to say something, Adam. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking like I I had something in my head. I don't know. Johnny Mnemonic was it? Old Keanu. Keanu, I Keanu you were Reeves about like harmonicas or something. I was like, <laughs> I had a moment. I've you know I just yeah. spent four days in the sun doing nothing but drinking, so my brain is fried. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving on. Why don't we uh, focus on? 
Um, one of the most talked about series, I guess, coming out of the first game in Montreal, Toronto. Um, you know what? We're not going to focus too much on the uh, Tavares situation. I'm guessing that he's going to be out for the playoffs. If yeah. he's not out for the playoffs, then that's probably a miracle. Some ma- major medical malpractice. Like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm sorry. Just by like the way that he went, there's no way he's back for the playoffs. So let's focus on um, Montreal because they got five WHLers who are really uh, stepping up. You got guys like Brendan Gallagher and Shea Weber who are back from injury, uh, Brett Kulak and Joel Edmondson who are holding down the defense, and then that Carey Price man. Like, what can you say about him? Like, th- this is why he won the MVP of the league a couple years ago. Don't count out Carey Price ever. When when Carey Price is on top of his game, he is the best goalie in the NHL. Plain and simple. Period. When he's on his game, it's he's. When you watch him, to me, the the new style goalie, the quiet movements, the things where you don't see him having to dive across the crease like uh, Flurry. You know, I play more like Flurry. Flurry's like a like a Hashik. He makes the diving saves, and it looks good on TV. But you stop and watch the play, and it's like you shouldn't have had to dive because you should have just pushed off. And when you see a lot of low energy movements it's because you're doing everything flawlessly and they call it you know quiet movements in the net and just small movements and just doing everything quickly and easily it's back in the day when patrick wall was playing everyone he's sort of you know kind of created but not really created but he perfected the butterfly technique watching carrie price it's like he's the new mold for the young hockey player or for the young goalie and uh yeah it's when he can completely steal the momentum of a series and it looks like it's happening and i just think it'll be hilarious because fuck the maple leafs (laughs) i mean price did it last year uh was it against the penguins yep in the in the bubble yeah like took them out plain and simple it was beautiful and like I said before, um, I believe in our last episode when we did the uh, playoff preview, um, Montreal tooled up for this. You know, getting the guys like, yeah, you know, Eric, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, um, you know, Josh they've Anderson. already... Josh Tyler Anderson. Tyler Tyler to Oh, God. They did not run out of time uh, bringing in Tyler Toffoli. Uh, you know, Shea Weber. These are yeah. vets that know how to win and you know what you know we'll even put tyler defoley in that list you know he's he's basically a vet at this point and he's won two stanley cups and he's won two stanley cups so you get guys that know how to win and you know they know how long the grind can be and what you have to do to succeed in the playoffs and if you get guys that have played you know five six seven eight playoff years they start to learn playoff hockey and they learn what you can get away with and what you can't and you know it's no secret that the whistles go away in playoffs and there are some things that you can get away with and some you can't i mean we'll quickly jump back obviously you know nazim kadri playoff time comes around he changes his game and he turns into a moron and hit hits some guy an unsuspecting guy from the side in the side of his face they're going to call that. 
but the little hooks and the holds and things like that, the interference that I don't even think is in the NHL rulebook anymore. Um, if you can learn that game and perfect it and get away with those sneaky little things, you know, stopping that guy when he dumps the puck in, staying in front of him for that extra half to three quarters of a second that you can't do in the regular season, all that does is it kills momentum. So you bring in vets that know how to do that, and you're going to find ways to succeed. Okay, so why don't we jump into our, our last segment of the, of the episode, which is our plus minus. Um, who wants to go first, I guess? So plus minus for the week, I'm going to say my plus. Um, hard to say. I don't want to talk about anything. I can't talk about anything with the Canucks as a plus, so let's just ignore that. Uh, let's say my plus is going to be, I'm sorry, Jess, but uh, my Avalanche looking as good as they do and hopefully knocking Bennington out of the playoffs pretty quick. Um, like I said, if Grubauer wants to fight him and take him out of the playoffs, I will be perfectly happy. I'm still not beautiful. rooting for the, the Avalanche, though. So. That's fine. And that's fine. I can respect that. I can 100% respect that. Uh, my minus for the week. Um, I'm going to say, as an Avs fan, I- I'm going to say two real quick ones. Uh, one, as an Avs fan, Nazem Kadri. I cannot wrap my head around why that kid, when playoffs come, he just forgets that the rule book even exists. He does it time and time again. He did it in Toronto. He's doing it now. He just loses his mind and takes runs at people. He took a run at Daniel Sedin, I believe, when he played for the Maple Leafs. That was not a playoff series, obviously. But I believe it was like one of the last couple games of the year, like going towards playoffs. Um, he just, I, I, the kid has talent, and for some reason he always forgets come playoff time that he can actually put the puck in the net. So Nazem Kadri is one of my minuses. And the other one... It pains me to say it. The entire franchise of the Vancouver Canucks. It's a tire fire from the top down. You know, Travis Green, there's rumors today that he might be getting his extension. If this was the plan all along, why are you stringing along the poor guy until the end of the season, parading him out in front of the media without a contract? He has no idea what's going on. He's forced to deal with Vertanen sexual assault issues when it should be management that comes out to discuss those things. Um, He's paraded out in front of the media to take all the fire when everything is going south. And where is Jim and Francesco? AWOL. And, you know, he's finally maybe going to get his contract. At this point, does he even want to be here? I mean, it's been rumored that there are players that are going to potentially want to be traded now. It's, there's no communication. There hasn't been for years. We've discussed it in the past. Sean Mathias said it in an interview on a podcast that he never even talked to Benning. No one knows what the hell's going on. The guy is a tool shed, and yet Francesco comes out and says, yeah, he's coming back because they don't want to spend any more money firing Benning and still having to pay him out. Well, I can promise you, I promise you, the $4 million or whatever that you would have to pay Jim Benning while paying a new GM is going to be peanuts 
compared to the millions of dollars you are going to lose due to lost ticket revenue, lost season ticket renewals, lost merchandise, lost food revenue, lost beer sales, like all these things. The team itself is turning into a joke in the league. It's become, it's talked about amongst agents that it's no longer a place that people want to go, be it players or management. So, you know, spend $4 million now, bring in a new guy and write the ship and, and figure out your PR disaster, or carry it on and lose millions. So that's their choice, and they can live with it. So, Jess, why don't you, I guess, uh, jump in with your uh, plus-minus for the week? Sure. Throw me under the bus. No, um, my plus just basically has, I think it's going to be Nadelkovich. Um, and just the way he's really stepped up to the plate for the Carolina Hurricanes all season um, and then into the playoffs as well. He has been stellar for them. You know, there's absolutely no complaints with, uh, you know, the way he's been performing. I think he's like 15-3 and 1 or 2. I can't remember exactly, but I mean, the guy's got um he's got stellar stats and he's just been amazing so he's definitely my my plus for um for the week and probably for the rest of the series as well i'm gonna say my my minus is also gonna be with the carolina hurricanes but it's gonna be more about um the animosity that i touched on with eric holla because it definitely um cause issues with the game last night. I mean, Carolina is not known for taking penalties. They're not a heavy penalty team, but they had seven last night. Uh, and that's, that's unusual. And it wasn't for little things like tripping or anything like that. Like there was roughing penalties and, and cross checks and things like that. So, you know, they were going hard at, the the Panthers and they were making uh they're taking penalties that get the whistle called on them in playoffs so I'm gonna say that that was my negative and it's unfortunate too because I actually like Eric Halla he's a very good player so so I guess I'll throw out my uh plus minus then uh, my plus is honestly just like seeing fans in the stands again during the playoffs because I don't know it's just like I feel like last year the playoffs were kind of weird because you had this giant break and then playoffs started. But this year it's felt more natural. Like you've had that progression, you've had that buildup, and now it's just like game on. And the playoffs have just been, you can tell that the players are feeding off of the um, momentum of the fans. Like it is obvious. Like when you, when Vegas scores their goal and the whole crowd goes wild or, uh, when the Islanders score, like the games I've been watching, they have just added so much for the fans. Now I know a lot of fans don't take the mask policy properly, but that's like a whole nother thing that we won't touch on. But you know, like, because you know, you're, you're supposed to wear your mask and everybody just wears it down, but whatever, you know what, that's for another time. But just the fans being back in the stands is uh, pretty incredible. And I guess my minus for uh this week it, it it just kind of is like 
the Canucks season came to an end, and it was just like I still don't understand. I understand why they played the games at the end of the year, but I don't understand why they played the games at the end of the year. Like it was just depressing to watch. They didn't even play Alex Edler in the last game, which was like heartbreaking because now he's going to end his Canuck career at ninety nine. Like I know people are like, oh well, he wants to come back, but let's let's be real. We've we've heard this movie before with Chris Tanev last year. Where he's like, oh, I want to be back. And then Jim never reaches out to him. So, you know, it's kind of sad because Alex Edler is probably one of the most hated yet loved Canucks of all time. Like, I don't know. I don't know a player who is who has been loved so much yet. Like everybody is angry with him all the time as Alex Edler. Like he's meant so much. I think very, uh, very polarizing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's going to... I don't think he'll get his number retired, but I think he'll go up in that ring of honor. Like, if he got his number retired, I might, I would be okay with that. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, but he'll get his number put up in the, in the ring of honor. And I will... If, I, if fans are allowed in that building, you know, I, I'm not going to go to many games next year, especially if uh, Jimbo is still in charge because this team is just depressing to watch when he's there. But if... They're honoring honoring Alex Edler. I'll definitely be at that game, uh, despite the fact that I have th- I thought that he shouldn't have been on the team the last couple of years because he looks like a pylon half the time. But and less like I said, he's loved, but yet we criticize him all the time. Well, thank you for listening to our NHL playoff recap and joining us for episode nine. Uh, be sure to check out all of our sponsors at the Area Fifty One Sports Network. You can find them on twitter and on instagram and yeah make sure to click on our pages as well uh, at third line pod 3rd line pod on twitter and check out our pod they're on chartable you can get your links to anchor and spotify and all your lovely streaming services so be sure to join us for next week for episode 10 and thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week